it was not pretty, and honestly, it was kind of bizarre. But nonetheless, the Pittsburgh Steelers get the victory. They head into a bye with a home primetime Sunday night football victory over the Seattle Seahawks. The Steelers win it 23-20 to over a banged-up Seahawks crew. Not exactly the best performance from your Steelers. A lot to unpack on this show, but nonetheless, they do get the victory. This is our Steelers postgame show here on Pittsburgh Sports Live and Steelers Now. I'm your host, Mike Oste. You want to also head over to SteelersNow.com right now for a postgame recap. All of our postgame coverage, as well as here on this channel of Pittsburgh Sports Live and the Steelers Now section for the postgame video reaction. And uh, just let's just say some fiery reaction from head coach Mike Tomlin, despite the victory. I am joined here by Chris Pugh, who is a digital content producer with USA Today's Ohio Network, as well as a contributor for Behind the Steel Curtain and SB Nation blog. Chris, thanks for joining me. Thanks for staying up as we're basically now talking here Monday morning. This is our Monday morning quarterback show here after the Sunday night game, 1 a.m. East Coast time. So this is our instant reaction just off the jump, the Steelers favored in this game. They are at home, even though home's not been incredibly friendly to this team this to this point. They kind of picked it up a little bit in their last game. And, of course, Seattle entering the game with a backup quarterback and Geno Smith, a banged-up defense, a secondary that's been pretty less than stellar most of the season, and a big lead for the Steelers early in this game. But then Seattle was able to come back. The second half certainly wasn't as friendly to Pittsburgh. Steelers were able to hang on and get the overtime victory. But what are your current takeaways? What's your feelings right now after this game in terms of the Steelers? They win. It's the most important thing in the NFL. But you can't really feel too good about this performance if you're Pittsburgh, especially heading into a bye when this was supposed to be a a very favorable matchup for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, Seattle's still a good team. I mean, sure. this is a chance that, you know, Pittsburgh had to make everything right. No Russell Wilson, uh, no Chris Carson, you know, their best running back. But, you know, very frustrating, especially in the second half. I mean, I, I thought um, they got outcoached in the second half. I think Pete, okay. Pete Crow made some – uh, Carol made some really good adjustments at halftime, but the Steelers weren't able to keep up with. And I'll be honest, I think the Steelers were lucky enough to come out with a win. I mean, they did the right thing. They paid T.J. Watt in the offseason, and, you know, Watt played this. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness they did that, because if not, it would have been one of those head scratchers that we seem to have once or twice a year. We're, we're like, we're much better than some team. Why the heck did we lose that? So, I, like you said, happy they got the win, but very – Catch my head about how this all came together. Yeah, the Steelers lucky to get the victory, I would say, is an understatement. The Steelers do win it 23 to 20 in overtime. Seattle came back towards the end. And I will tell you, I I was at Pete Carroll's postgame press conference for the Seahawks. He was almost in tears talking about the performance of his team, the adversity they had to overcome. And yeah, they didn't get a victory, but at the end of the day, you are what you are in terms of your record. Seattle yeah. is a two and four team. It is a secondary that has not been playing good to this point this year. And they do have a backup quarterback. Should have been a better performance for the Steelers. It was not. How would you evaluate Ben Roethlisberger's play? And what do you think changed from the first half to the second half? Is it just Seattle was able to find something? Or did the Steelers' offense kind of revert back to who they were? It was kind of a tale of two halves here. And, of course, the Steelers able to hang on and get the victory in overtime. 
I think part of it, Seattle was able to sustain drives, and I think that really kind of changed that side of the ball. And it kind of changed when Pittsburgh came back. I mean, I think Pittsburgh lost a little bit of confidence. I look at Big Ben, you know, the debate – this year is is Big Ben cooked? Is he done? Does he still have stuff left? I think Big Ben has a lot of stuff left. I think he needs to play it a lot more efficiently and not force it. I think he forced it a little bit in the second half, and I think they kind of lost confidence in what they were doing. Um, it, it just it seemed a little frustrating. And yeah, and like I said before, though, it, there have been games like this in Steelers history where. Everything went haywire, and they lost the game. So at least they won the game. And right. I think give the Steelers credit for that to say, look, sometimes a good team can win the t- game where they pay, play really crappy. But I, I still think just everything that happened at halftime gave the Seahawks all the confidence in the world and took the confidence away from the Steelers. And thankfully, the Steelers found that big play at the end of the game where things could win. You know, it could have ended up a loss of them or sure. a top. I was afraid. <laughs> oh. we, we could have got there, and that would have been something else here at uh, midnight, sitting yeah. there for a Steelers tie here at Heinz Field. That would have been crazy. Mike Austin here, Chris Pugh, joining me on the Steelers postgame show here on PSL and Steelers. Now the Steelers do win it 23-20 to over the Seattle Seahawks. They do head into a bye week and then have the Cleveland Browns, who are not riding high by any means, but that will certainly be a big game for the Steelers to say the very least Steelers now at 500 at three and three. Now on the other side, the football defensively for the Pittsburgh Steelers, because Ben went 29 for 40, 259, a touchdown, no interceptions, not the big mistake was sacked once a 94.7 quarterback rating, not the best day for him, but good enough to win. That's again, a good enough performance for him to win. And, and you're getting 81 plus yards on the ground from, from Najee Harris, et cetera, the running game moving a little bit more, not the hundred plus of week ago, but moving a little bit more than earlier in the year doing enough but not nearly enough and not nearly as great as maybe you would expect to pick apart a weak secondary nonetheless going to the Steelers defense because it eventually led to them winning this game TJ Watt making that play at the end TJ Watt all over the place in this game Cam Hayward all over the place in this game able to get pressure on Geno Smith what did you see from the Steelers defense that was allowing them to get so much pressure on Geno Smith? Because earlier in the season, even a couple of weeks ago, the Steelers went through the entire game without registering a sack. Their four year plus sack streak came to an end. They weren't even getting quarterback hits earlier in the year, but they certainly got to the quarterback in this game. Is that maybe a story of it being Geno Smith, a backup quarterback and kind of a banged up O-line for Seattle? Or did the Steelers do something to effectively get to the passer that they weren't doing earlier in this season? I think it was a little bit of everything. I think the big thing is you've got a healthy T.J. White, you got a healthy Highsmith, and you got a healthy Melvin Ingram. And I think having those three outside linebackers who are at the top of the game, that really helped the pass rush. Um, you know, Geno Smith, we laugh because we look at Geno Smith as that failed draft pick from what was eight, you know, nine years ago now. Sure. But, you know, looking half decent as a back quarterback. He played well in this game. Geno was 29, 23 for 32. I'll mention this because we also cover the Mountaineers here at WV Sports Now as part of our Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Sports Now Network. Geno Smith, 23 for 32, 209 touchdown, no picks for him either. He was sacked five times, though, so the offensive right. line did not make it easy on him and a quarterback rating of 99 points six of course the fumble at the end which is what everyone's going to talk about and Pete Carroll mentioned he felt so bad for Gino to endure that but Gino for a backup in a short week of preparation played more than adequate in this game and certainly gave him the chance to win it most of the way throughout again he's not a starter in this league but as a backup he certainly could do worse 
Right. And I think at halftime, um, you know, the halftime interview, um, Tom was talking about, hey, we think they're going to throw the ball more. Sure, but, sure. you know, um, Pete told NBC at halftime, no, we're going to run the ball more. So, <laughs> Pitcher was expecting to run, and you know, geez, um, Alex Collins looked like OJ Simpson the second half. I mean, <laughs> how much he was running all over Pittsburgh. So I, I think Seattle made the adjustment, and not that Pittsburgh wasn't adjusting properly. I think this it just kind of took the Steelers by surprise. And honestly, this game should have been over at halftime. I mean, it was really staging up to be like a Steelers three touchdown win. And I think. Adjustment that Seattle made that Pittsburgh did not adjust to, you know, was really what changed the tide, you know, from most of the second half. Yeah, and most of the conversation now for two weeks heading into the Steelers' next game because the bye comes up is the Steelers didn't play well enough against this lowly opponent who's two and four that was banged up with their backup quarterback. And yeah, the Steelers are dealing with some injuries, but certainly were the favorite in this game at home. And that's a fair conversation to have. But Seattle played their you know what's off, certainly for their guys and you also got to give them credit for that performance Alex Collins over 100 yards on the ground an average of 5.1 per so a better rushing day performance out of him than even Najee Harris had certainly a part of how they were able to stay in this game now what I do want to discuss as well outside of even what happened on the field of play is well an on the field of play incident that led to a, a controversial moment that got us to overtime and that was that that review by the officials looked like inbounds fumbles the ball then a seahawk then ends up recovering it seattle ends up taking it to overtime the steelers win it in overtime on the leg of chris boswell what did you see there why do you think it took so long i will tell you mike tomlin very upset on that situation despite the victory I actually overheard mike tomlin yelling as i was headed to the opposing press conferences that i normally do before the these postgame shows that he's going to write a check to the league office tonight and he's going to tell the truth it's not an international incident there. We're not talking about Watergate or Spygate here. So I don't know why he was so upset. I was talking to some colleagues. I haven't seen Tomlin that mad after a victory in a very, very long time, but certainly upset. And Pete Carroll mentioned he didn't understand why it took so long. Do you have any idea why it took so long? It felt like an hour out there trying to decide a call that eventually led this game to go to overtime. I couldn't understand it. I mean, I saw pretty yeah. clearly on NBC that they spiked the ball with about a second left. Right. Uh, and obviously, there was like so much that went into that play. But I'll be honest with you, looking at the where NFL fishing is at in general, I don't think sure. the NFL is putting as much stock in taking it seriously. I'll look back at the Sewers game with Green Bay. Um, you know that? Right. Like <laughs> yeah. the block field goal. Right. And it's a bang bang play, and you know, from used used to be a lowly umpire. I know sometimes when you see that really quick, you got to make a decision. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. But the NFL is not taking this stuff seriously, and because of that, it's kind of hurting their brand. But you know, honestly, the ratings are up. Everybody seems to be happy, other than people <laughs> about the bad calls. Right. Uh, but you would think in a league that's the number one sport in America, right? The NFL would take a little bit more interesting care to make sure the call gets right to make sure officials don't look kind of silly out there but you know my response to you know mike tomlin is i wish it didn't get to that point <laughs> if Steelers <laughs> did what they needed to do early in the game you sure. were really about call that could have cost them the game um so i i i question the officials but i can't really say a lot about it because i was frustrated Steelers like get that far 
Yeah, and, and again, that, that's a fair claim. The Steelers maybe shouldn't have let it get that far. This is, again, a team that's 2-4 and four now. This is a team that was with their backup quarterback on the road, traveling across the country, and almost really got out of it, stealing a victory away from the Steelers. Steelers played well in the first half, not so much in the second half. They did enough to get the victory, though. They win it 23-20 to 20 in overtime here. Mike Osti, Chris Pugh joining me on the Steelers postgame show here on PSL and Steelers Now. And this is now 1 a.m. So in, in real time. So we're doing a little bit quicker show than normal. I will I will tell you, Chris. But what I do want to also discuss in this game, I don't know if you, you noticed this. There was an incident in the third quarter that T.J. Watt looked like he was throwing punches to to get Alex Collins on the ground. I saw a lot of reaction from the fans during that moment. It obviously led to an unsportsmanlike conduct. Do you foresee and should there be more? Should there be a suspension from that? Do you feel he was administering punches to, to, to get the, ta- the ball carrier down and, and to get the tackle? Didn't look good from my vantage point at all, but it kind of subsided after just the penalty being called. But certainly it's going to be a conversation moving forward too, I'd imagine. I think it's just a football play. I mean, it's a referee to say it's a personal foul. It's a personal foul. Yeah. But I mean, it's a game of football and, you know, we can't, really uh, uh, football is a tough game and sometimes stuff happens. I mean, you see near the end of the game, you know, they punch the cause of fumble and uh, yeah, that's what you could argue. The defense is he was trying to get to the ball and cause a fumble. That's right. correct. Right. Obviously he got more skin than he ever did. <laughs> but you know, look, if it's a personal foul, it's a personal foul, but I think it would be ridiculous if they uh, suspended him. Um, right. I would hope that would not be the case. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case, but it, it looked Bush League, if nothing else, to right. me. It looked like he was going a little too far. Uh, yeah, he, you could say he's going to the football, but it looked like he was throwing haymakers out there. It didn't land on anyone's face. It probably would have hurt him more if he did get an helmet. So, no, it's not to the Miles Garrett situation. He's right. not Thor out there, but it wasn't a good play. To say the very, very least, it wasn't a great moment for T.J. Watt, who ended up having a great moment at the end as he ended up being the star of this game, a great player throughout this game, really, as he's right now embarking on a defensive player of the year type of season. And the Steelers, as I said, they do win it 23 to 20. Thanks to the defense. Thanks to a play from TJ Watt. Thanks to Cam Hayward. Thanks to several other members of this defense at the end, able to do what they had to do to get the Steelers through this victory. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster out for the season. This is, this is the first game without Juju. Not the best of season so far for Juju, but still an integral player on the team and losing him certainly affects the team, to say the least. Deontay Johnson ended up stepping up as he's emerged the number one receiver for this team. Nine catches, 71 yards. Didn't get in the end zone. Najee Harris did as a receiver. Six catches, 46. In addition to what he did on the ground with 81 yards. Rayburn McLeod was even used. Chase Claypool, only two catches for 17 yards. Maybe expecting a little bit more out of him. James Washington Ebron both getting involved with, with minimal production. What did you see from the Steelers' offense without Juju? How much of an impact was not having Juju having on the Steelers and what needs to adjust moving forward for the Steelers' offense? Because it wasn't a horrendous outing for the Steelers' offense through the air by any means. It was 229 for Ben, and then, of course, Deontay with 9 for 71 as the leading receiver. But this is a pretty weak Seattle secondary. This is the first game without Juju, and it's a home primetime game. There were people saying before the game, don't read too much into it if the Steelers just dominate through the air because this is an opportunity to do that in a favorable matchup. They certainly did not do that, even though they won this game. What still needs changed and fixed and needs to go on for the Steelers passing offense to be effective without Juju? 
Yeah, a couple things bother me. Um, you looked at Seattle. They had uh, Jamal Abs playing the line of scrimmage, kind of challenging the Steelers to throw it a little bit more. They didn't. Um, I, I look at the receiver stats, and you're right. I mean, I think Firemove had a good game. Uh, seven catches, seven targets. Najee, six yeah. catches, seven targets. But you look at Chase Claypool, two catches and seven targets. And mm-hmm. James Washington had one catch from one target. I, I think you have to give a little bit more consistency out of the receivers. I thought Chase Claypool was fantastic against Denver. I know you're not going to get 100, 150 yards every single game. But I, I get a little frustrated Chase Claypool because he's either the uh, reincarnation of Calvin Johnson or he's way too overhyped. I mean, I'd like to see Chase be a little bit more consistent about the way he does it. He did not have a good game. I mean, he had that long catch that was called back because he pushed off. I, I Right. Well, Pittsburgh gets where they need to be. They, they, they have to have a little bit more on Chase Claypool. Be honest. Uh, you got you have to have a little more consistency in, in their goodness here. Yeah, and and this was a game that he had an opportunity to really emerge and really step up. Again, had the seven targets, only the couple catches, but he's such a physical force, and we saw that yeah. so much last year with the Calvin Johnson like stretch. Yeah, Steelers were, were, were celebrating their 2020 and 2021 Hall of Fame in Shrinies, giving them the rings here tonight. But a guy who was down there in Canton with us over the summer is Calvin Johnson, revolutionized the position. Chase Claypool is a, a receiver you can compare to him, but he didn't have these kind of nights off and didn't miss so many receptions when you have that many targets. So it could have been more from Chase Claypool. Deontay stepped up. Fryermuth had had a solid game. You got to see more from Fryermuth like this throughout the rest of the year, needing to have him utilize more. It's not even against him. He catches everything, but needing to have him utilize more. Now, for Matt Canada in particular, for me, this was a game we saw more Matt Canada plays. His stamp was on this game more than it has even earlier in this season. A lot of hype for Matt Canada becoming the Steelers' offensive coordinator this year. Some fans heard he jumped off the wagon two, three weeks in, wanting him fired, as insane as that sounds. That kind of now has dissipated. But what are your thoughts and what's your evaluation of Matt Canada and his play calling in particular in this game? 23 points for the Steelers in overtime. Not that great. Not enough points. Not enough yards from Ben. Not enough yards from the receivers. The running back having a solid day overall as a, as a runner and a receiver. But when you look at the individual plays, you're seeing a lot more from Matt Canada, a lot more of those college sprinkles in this game than earlier in this season. We'll see if that leads to something. Hey, I think it's a work in progress. I, I think Matt can can be a good coordinator. I mean, look, it's an entirely new offensive line. Uh, right. They struggled, to be frank, the first couple of weeks. Sure. I think they look better over the past two weeks, but there's still some time they've got to try to gel. Are they going to gel by the end of the year? Who knows? Um, you know, very impressed by Harris and Firemuth, but they're rookies too. Rookies in the NFL, they're going to pressure one game. They're going to depression next game. So I think. <laughs> Yeah. Just yeah. I I'm questioning Matt Canna from time to time. I'm not completely sold on Matt Canna. Okay. You've got so many moving parts coming in and out. And like I said before, I, I think Ben I, I want Ben to throw no more than 30, 35 times a game. When they lost, and sometimes it was necessitated by being down where they had to throw a lot. Sure. But Ben's not gonna win by throwing it 40, 50, 60 times a game. 100 uh, percent so yep. it's an entirely different mindset. It's an entirely different change. And I think if they can 
get to that, they can be okay. Heck, they beat Buffalo. A lot of people out there are saying Buffalo could be the best team in the NFL right now. That is the weirdness. Yes, the Steelers yeah. open up week one with a victory on the road against Buffalo. Buffalo looks like one of the best teams in football, if not an AFC favorite so far this year. They've been dominating really since then. Josh Allen having a great season since then. Not that great in that game. Ben, though, does throw exactly 40 passes in this game against Seattle. 29 for 40, a 72.5 percentage in terms of completions. That's solid. The yards aren't gaudy, but it's solid. I would say this overall outing from Ben, it's a solid outing. It's solid numbers. You just maybe would have expected more, and they think there could be more opportunities against this Seattle defense. And again, the targets were there. The opportunities were there at different points. They didn't take advantage, but they were able to do what they had to to get the victory. And then throwing 35-40, that is the recipe. Having 50-60 pass attempts like last year when they were losing games at the end of the season, even earlier this season, not going to work for Ben. That's when you're going to see the interceptions, when you're going to see the ineffectiveness, 20-plus incompletions. This game, a relatively efficient day from Ben Roethlisberger, but not able to really step up and carry the team, which maybe is not going to happen for Ben Roethlisberger, 39 years old either. Chris Pugh here joining me, a digital producer with USA Network's Ohio Network, and also contributor for Behind the Steel Curtain here on our Steelers postgame show. The Steelers win it 23-20. to They get a victory on Sunday night football over the Seattle Seahawks at home. They celebrate past Steelers greats. Not incredibly impressive in terms of the field of play, but they do get the victory. Tomlin leaves it upset, but again, nonetheless, they get the win, which is the most important thing in the National Football League. The Steelers now back to 500 at 3-3. Three and three. Cleveland loses but it doesn't necessarily get easier for the Steelers in the division. The Ravens, a real impressive victory over the Chargers. Some thought that could be the game of the weekend. They dominate in that game. So the Steelers certainly are still looking up at teams, even the Bengals too, in just the AFC North alone. They have a bye week coming up, and then it is the Cleveland Browns. So as we close up the show here, I do want to focus on that next game for the Steelers. That is against Cleveland. Cleveland, they look good at times this year, but they've also looked overrated at times this year, to, to be honest. Baker Mayfield has had his moments, but he's also had some pretty bad moments to this point this year. A sexy Super Bowl pick for some, but others say maybe not so much. Steelers in a similar boat this year where it's been a roller coaster ride. What do you expect out of the game against the Browns and what do the Steelers need to do? What are the keys to that game for the Steelers to have a chance to beat Cleveland, still a contending Good team, certainly on the level with Pittsburgh, if not above, despite the Browns certainly struggling recently. The Browns are the most confusing team in the NFL, and I'll tell you why. Um, I'm sure their fans would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. With my daily work, uh, I work with uh, Browns writers and Bengals writers here in Ohio. And you look at it, if you have a team with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on your team, why are you throwing it more than 20 times per game? I mean, you should just give the ball to them run the 13 wins a year and you're fine. I think Baker Mayfield tries to do way too much for that team. I think Baker Mayfield's decent compared to the other uh, quarterbacks the Browns have had over the past 30 years. He is better, but he's definitely not a franchise quarterback. I think the Steelers can easily confuse Baker Mayfield. I think they've got a shot in the game. I think it's going to, it's going to be a tough tale. Uh, they're going into Cleveland. Uh, right. It's tough, but Cleveland's banged up. Uh, Kareem Hunt got hurt pretty bad near the end of the game. Some say he can miss some time. Yep. Miss this game. Um, Odell Beckham. You, you know, it's funny. Uh, very overhyped receiver. Uh, everyone loves Odell Beckham. He has not found the consistency with Baker. No, wasn't wasn't a part of the run last year when they won when they won a playoff game. They got into the postseason. Baker had a solid year. 
wasn't with Odell on the field. Yeah, I look at the defense. The defense has been uh, just rough, to say the least. I mean, lots of open Cardinals receivers. Yes, Arizona has a good offense, but you look at last week, they gave up, what was it, 47 points to the Chargers. Chargers have good offense, but the Ravens pretty much shut them down. Yeah. Look at giving up 47 to the Chargers, saying you have a good defense at all. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. I think, you know, the Browns are probably going to be favored going to the game, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Pittsburgh could win that game. And I'll tell you, they've got an opportunity to go a little bit of a run. After Cleveland, you've got Chicago and Detroit, who are both winnable games, too. So, the Steelers just have to take care of business, have an efficient offense, and have a defense that comes to play. Uh, they're just not leaving themselves a lot of room for error. And since they don't leave themselves a lot of room for error, it, it almost bit them tonight. So, they got to clean up some stuff. I was listening to the press conferences with Cam Hayward yeah. afterwards, and uh, they were talking tonight about let's clean up some of the stuff. We're not happy where we're at. If we can clean up, we'll be much better. Well, hopefully they can do that. But if they can, they could be six and four weeks' time. But, you know, it's possible. But they just have to clean up some of the inconsistency that's been showing over the first six games of the year. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers will head into Cleveland after the bye week. The three and three Steelers will face off against the now three and three Cleveland Browns, who will have a game prior to that one. But the Browns allowing 37 points to the Cardinals, allowing 40 plus to the Chargers. It's been a rough season so far for Cleveland's defense, which was supposed to carry them through most of this year, as they certainly are among the favorites in the AFC, not playing like it by any means, maybe kind of a Cleveland thing to do. But Baker Mayfield, 19 for 28. 67 completion percentage, 234, two TDs, but an interception that was a bad one. A lot of those yards also are off a bomb Hail Mary touchdown pass, so you take that pass away. You got less than 200 yards passing and a quarterback rating of over 102, but that's a misleading stat when you look at everything else he did. Certainly against Kyler Murray, he did not look to be good enough, certainly the lesser of the two quarterbacks in that game, and they do have a ground-and-pound attack, but now it is banged up. So, as you're saying, the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier in the season, people jumping off the ship, I was was certainly one of them heavily critical and figured that maybe it was the end of the line. They had a tough schedule early on. They had some performances that certainly weren't nearly good enough, but now at three and three heading into a bye and you do get the Seattle win, even though it's not the most impressive victory in the world, they are right back in at least looking at a wild card, maybe looking up at the Ravens, but it, they certainly are right back in the race because as you alluded to, it's not just the Browns. Even if you go ahead and lose that game, you have a favorable schedule coming up after that. And then the schedule will really heat up and get difficult again. But you should, and you do need to, if you're going to be a contender this year, get at least two of these next three games as victories for you. If you don't do that, then you're going to certainly be in trouble. The Bears, we've seen them to this point. We've seen them with Justin Fields. He's a rookie. He's going to be good. A little too early to evaluate. But the Packers game certainly wasn't their best performance. They're going to be vulnerable and certainly Detroit among the worst teams in football this year. So it's going to be right there for the Steelers. Those next few games coming up here, Chris, I definitely appreciate the time for sure. Uh, I appreciate you staying up with me for this Monday morning edition here of Sunday Night Football's postgame show here. Steelers do get the victory over the Seahawks. Any final words, any, any thoughts about what we're going to be discussing here moving forward? Because I would imagine the next two weeks, Prior to the bye, it's going to be a lot of more evaluation of Ben, getting this team healthier, a lot of blunt talk from some of these Steelers. Of course, Cam Hayward, Mike Tomlin, pretty vocal, pretty honest about what's gone on, needing to clean things up as a receiver group. And 
the defense now getting pressure as a group on the quarterback, but is that just against Geno Smith? Will that continue? Because it hadn't happened in a couple of weeks prior. And will the Steelers secondary be good enough against other quarterbacks? Because Geno was able to find some spots as a backup in this game against Seattle. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of questions with Pittsburgh, but honestly, uh, there's a lot of questions of Cleveland. I mean, I look at that yeah. Cleveland. A game against Denver is really big. If they don't right the ship, there's going to be a lot of panic Cleveland people. And, and you think that here in Pittsburgh, everyone was panicked after one three start. Man, there's a lot of panic going on. And the Steelers can play it to their advantage. I, I think if they ride that defense, I mean, you know, there, there could be a little nice run. And even at the end of the year, we looked at um, Kansas City as, wow, how could we win this game? Kansas City could be a winnable game. I mean, I'll be honest. Beating Buffalo was not a fluke. Uh, this is a team that can beat teams, but they've got to play the game right, and they, and they got can't leave themselves room for air like they did tonight. So yeah, Kansas City another three and three team. So three and three seems to be the story of a lot of these teams this year. There's not many elite teams around the NFL. No one's really dominating through the season to this point. So again, I don't think Ben's been great. He's been good enough in some of these games. He has certainly cost them in other games. The offensive line has now improved to a point that it at least is not killing him. It was making it really hard on him earlier in the year, but tons of question marks still around the O-line. It got to be better for this team to hang in there. Najee able to emerge and do some more. You got to see more from Firemuth. This receiver group is diminished and injured, but still able to step up, even though they also need to step up even further. And the defense needs to keep this up as well for the Steelers to remain contenders, but everyone's dealing with issues. So they got the victory. That's the most important thing from the Pittsburgh perspective. And they head into the bye with back-to-back victories, even against teams that right now are below 500 after a three-game losing streak. You start out with a Buffalo win, you lose three in a row, you win these two, you go into a bye, then you have your biggest game of the year, arguably, against your rival against the Browns after they beat you in the postseason last year. So it's always interesting around the Pittsburgh Steelers, no matter what, and that's certainly going to continue. Chris, I definitely appreciate the time. We'll, we'll definitely talk uh, uh, again here. I Again, I appreciate you staying up with me, and I know that you'll also have a lot of coverage on the Browns angle as well heading into that game because, of course, you do have some digital content work with USA Day Network's Ohio side of things, so that's going to include – a lot, of, a lot of commentary over on that side of uh, the field as well. So, Chris, thanks thanks for joining me, man. Ha- have a good night. Get some sleep. Yeah, definitely. And uh, by all means, check out, in addition to your coverage, uh, check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, a lot sure. of podcasts, lots of coverage of the Steelers. And then in Ohio, check out BeaconJournal.com, uh, lots okay. of talk about the Browns. You've got to understand who the enemy is in two weeks yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, Chris Pugh joining me here from USA Network's Ohio Network and, of course, a contributor with Behind the Steel Curtain. So, yeah, go check them out as well here. Chris, I definitely appreciate the time. And, again, I <laughs> wish you a rest as yeah. you join me here after 1 a.m. So I got to give him the respect for doing that. To say the very, very least, the Steelers do get this victory. I got to get myself some rest and finish this postgame coverage. So a shorter show than normal. We had to just hit it and quit here in a way because the Steelers got the victory. And they're sprinting out of town already. A 23-20 victory for the Steelers to go into a bye with back-to-back victories. 
Tomlin leaves upset. He's still mad at the referees. He's probably going to be writing a check for that. The Steelers team is not in any way perfect or any way happy with how they played. They should have been better. I'll say that. They should have been better against the banged-up Seahawks team that certainly is not right now looking like a contender, even though they play with a lot of heart and played for Pete Carroll. He's crying about how, how much he's proud of them. But they're a 2-4 and four football team with a backup quarterback and a banged-up secondary defense and a team that's been consistently losing most of the season lost four times to this point. So the Seals get the victory. They could have easily lost this game. That would have certainly been a dire situation. Nonetheless, they have a big game headed uh, in front of them against the Browns on the road. Revenge for last year. Of course, the Browns right now, you'd imagine, would be favored in that game, but they've not been playing well either. They certainly have not been playing well the defensive side of the football and then some winnable games after that for Pittsburgh. But a lot to discuss during this buy around Steelers Nation. And the Steelers get the win. They do enough to get the victory. But to say it was impressive, not really the case. To say it was bizarre, absolutely the case. But either way, victory for the Steelers. The Steelers win at 23-20. to Head over to Steelers now for our post-game coverage, our post-game reaction here on Pittsburgh Sports Live. And, of course, head over to SteelersNow.com the rest of the week. Weeks, I should say, plural, as the Steelers get a legit buy this season as we now will cover the Steelers